United States women's national team roster is out as Vladko Andonovsky has made his choices for the Tokyo Olympics. We have Lisa Roman, Sandra Herrera, and Laurie Lindsay to discuss the lineup, the roster, who's going to Japan, and so much more. Kego Lasso begins right now. Welcome into Kegelazo. It's Wednesday morning. I'm Lisa Roman. I'm the producer for Kegelazo, stepping in today for Luis to talk some United States women's national team. I'm so happy to welcome my good friends and soccer analysts, Sandra Herrera and Lori Lindsay. Sandra, welcome. Lisa, missed you. Can't wait to chat about all things <laughs> U.S. women's national team Olympic roster. Let's do this. Lori, it's so great to have you on. How are you? Listen, I wouldn't want to spend my morning um, with anybody else except for you two. So thanks for having me. Oh, it's a good time. It's a good time. Um, after international friendlies, training camps, the summer series, Vlatko Andonovsky has spoken He's whittled his 25-woman roster down to those 18 ahead of the Olympics in Tokyo, plus his four alternates. Um, but initial reactions, Lori, when you saw the announcement, you saw the 18, what was your gut reaction to those names? Well, I, well, for me, I mean, listen, I was sitting on the sidelines. It's awesome. And like, it, um, it's, it's a roster that I had picked. Those are, I'm, I have to say, I'm not like pat myself on the back, but it's hundred percent exactly who I thought, just given um, what I know about coaches, um, and what they're thinking going into these world, like world, whether it's a world cup or Olympics. And, um, also just, a, a huge congratulations to the players. I mean, the, the, the length and like the emotion that goes into it. Um, but yeah, excited and ready for the Olympics next, next month. Sandra, the 18 names, were you happy with it? Was it your picks? Yeah. I mean, I, I, my initial reaction to that roster was just, this is, this is a solid United States women's national team pick tough, tough job. I really, I really feel for Vlatko after, you know, sitting in on some of those media availabilities with some of these international windows with him and the team as, as the Olympics got closer and closer and closer and different players were coming in and out of these camps. You just know how difficult that is to whittle down a roster when you have so much talent on the team and then to do it in an Olympic year where you know you only have 18 slots is a, is a rough and tough job. Um, but looking just sort of at first glance and some of those names, yeah, I'm with Lindsay. I mean, these names stick out and you're just like, yes, this makes sense. These are the players that should go. It's a lot of returning players from even that 2016 Rio Olympic roster, you know, obviously a good chunk and uh, core of that uh, 2019 World Cup winning roster. And uh, sprinkled in with a couple, couple new faces, but more than capable faces. So uh, they're a team that's going to be ready to compete for sure. We're talking about the names. We're talking about the players, and it was a tough year um, for. Flatco to really whittle this down and, and find those top 18 players with so much talent. Um, let's get to him. I'll read off the roster for you guys. Goalkeepers, Alyssa Nair, uh, AD French. Defense, Abby Dahlkemper, uh, Becky Sauerbronn, Crystal Dunn, Kelly O'Hara, Tierna Davidson, and Emily Sonnet. Midfield, Rose Lavelle, Lindsay Horan, Julie Ertz, Sam Mewis, and Christy Mewis. Forward position, those strikers, Kristen Press, Alex Morgan, Carly Lloyd, Megan Rapino, and Tobin Heath. Uh, the alternatives that will be traveling to Tokyo, Jane Campbell, goalkeeper, Lynn Williams, forward, Katerina Macario, midfielder, and Casey Kruger, defense. So taking a look at those names, uh, biggest surprises 
for you, Sandra, who on that list really stands out the most? Biggest surprises. Oh boy. I mean, I think we have to zone in on those, those alternates, you know, I think, uh, a player like Lynn Williams, someone who we saw, you know, really just sort of be in high favor with, uh, with head coach black on really early on with his start as head coach with this team, uh, getting called back into national team camps more regularly and then getting, uh, more regular starts, uh, under his belt as well, you know, on that top line and just sort of seeing what she does on and off the ball, her movement out on the wing and her ability to sort of just go one V one with and against defenders, you know, really brings something special. And we sort of saw what it was like uh, to have a player like Lynn Williams really integrate within a system, you know, for a head coach. And you started to see what a player like her could bring. And then just sort of as things kind of trickled out, competition breeds competition and it just is a very 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 good thing and when you're looking at that core of forwards it's a veteran core of forwards I mean you don't see a lot of uh you know younger forwards on that on that list so we're seeing players with a lot of uh tournament experience whether it's in world cup or olympics you know somebody like a Tobin Heath somebody like Carly Lloyd I think they're leading the way now I think this is going to be their fourth appearance uh, you know in, in Olympic Games so that's huge you know um so seeing somebody like uh, Lynn Williams still be able to travel with this team and be able to you know go abroad and have this uh kind of general Olympic experience with the team I think is going to be important for the for the future um because again when we're looking when we're looking at that veteran core core players, I mean, Lindsay can probably contest to this as well. You know, uh, the lifespan of a pro athlete has an expiration date and it's, you know, when they decide that is. And so eventually looking on to the next cycle, you're going to have to have somebody like with Lynn Williams with uh, this type of experience under her belt. Um, and it could be something where Black Andonofsky is, is thinking in that sort of lens and thinking in that scope. So um, surprised to not see her crack that full 18. Uh, but not surprised to to see her going in some capacity. Lori, jumping off of that, uh, Sandra talked so much about experience and how much that plays into these final decisions and actually going to the Olympics because it's the travel, it's the relocation, it's the scope of the game and the pressure that it comes with. How much does experience outweigh potential in a decision like this? Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't know if experience outweighs potential necessarily, but I think when you're looking between the World Cup and the Olympics, that's the toughest thing. And the World Cup going with 23 players on the roster, you can take and you expect to take um, some younger players to get them experience, even if they don't see time on the field at all, just the understanding of the tournament. You just don't have that luxury with an 18-player roster going to the Olympics and with, with how it works with only two days between games. It's really less about sometimes actual performance on the field and more about rest and recovery. And, and that's why as Sandra alluded to as well, is like the experience is key. And, and to your previous question about some surprises, I think, you know, for a lot of people, it probably would be Tobin Heath, um, not in terms of what she can do on the field, but hasn't played since January um, due to injury, making her way back. Now, everything that's coming out of the camp is that she is, you know, on a hundred percent track to be at her top perform um, top performance come July. However, I think you know it is still shocking, but that's when you go on previous um, what players have done um, previously, right? And that maybe answers your question about potential. Then I was bummed not to see Lynn Williams as well, especially early on. And that's a whole nother discussion that you can get into of like what does this team look like if this was 
actually 2020, because I think they'd be very different with an Alex Morgan who just would she be able to make it back after pregnancy? Lynn Williams was lights out and in top favor. I think probably first on the team sheet when it came to strikers, um, especially during Olympic qualifying. Anyway, all of that to be said, um, huge congrats to Casey Kruger to continue to um, plug away and and have fun playing and just keep performing, right? And then gets gets the call because I actually was going off of the roster that he had in the last um, in the summer series. So I had Alana Cook. I think most people were. Yeah, I think, I think everyone was, Lori. Yeah. I mean, how could you not? Casey didn't get called into camps. I mean, we talked a little bit about it before we recorded, but the She Believes Cup. But a huge congrats to Casey for for yeah. getting this call up and and going to the big stage. Yeah. And, and the last thing I'll say about that too, is that when we don't, so I had actually Alana Cook plugged in because um, when you look at this 18 player roster, I think having those four alternates, that's where you take some of your youth to get them experience. Cause typically you're like, ah, I don't know. There's not a huge likelihood. And I've been an alternate at the Olympics to get on the, on the field. Um, however, I think this is the first time ever that there is a higher percentage given COVID restrictions, um, all, everything that's going to take place while you're there. And, um, you know, in an experienced group, but also somewhat of a veteran group, especially in that front line. So, I mean, these alternates need to be ready and they will be um, because I think this is the, the, the highest percentage we've ever seen for an alternate to maybe step in and, and have to, to play a role. Oh, definitely. Anything can happen. Um, and, and the four alternates will travel to Tokyo and they could be slotted into that roster position at any second. Um, Sandra, Casey Kruger, who we, we talked briefly about there with Lori a little bit, but uh, why her? Flacco hasn't seen her. She wasn't in the summer series. Um, what about her stands out in maybe the NWSL that she's playing in for Chicago? And, and why is she chosen for this alternate spot? Yeah, I think if you're taking a, a defender in that alternate spot, you're going to want somebody who can slot across that back line. And Casey Kruger is a player that has shown primarily through her club play, really, uh, that she's capable of slotting in at either center back or at either, you know, the left or, or right flank at the outside back position. Um, you know, she is a player that, you know, has not all she's also not had the experience of uh, participating in a, in a global tournament, whether it's a World Cup or an Olympics, um, but she has extensive experience, you know, within national team camps. She has gotten tons of call-ins with the senior national team training camps, uh, you know, dating back to time, uh, you know, with Jill, with Jill Ellis. Uh, and then we all remember when that World Cup roster got announced that that was sort of the biggest surprise then for that 2019 uh, roster that uh, she was left off. Uh, you know, in, in, in place of uh, other defenders heading off uh, to, to France. So that was uh, pretty significant. And I think that kind of maybe lingers a little bit. You know, if you're a player like Casey Short, we saw what she put the year that she put together during that 2019 World Cup, um, arguably the uh, best defender uh, of the year, um, lost out on on voting. But you have somebody like a Becky Sauerbrunn, the national team captain, uh, end up winning that award and then immediately recognizing, uh, you know, that a player like uh, Casey Kruger had put together a very epic year that she did during 2019. And then you have 2020, which was just a short uh, window of games uh, for club for all players. Um, but then sort of doing enough to kind of uh, get back into favor with, uh, with the national team and a player, and excuse me, like a head coach, like Lacko Andonofsky, who has so much experience within NB- NWSL himself with his coaching background. He's someone who has always valued and rated NWSL club play. 
because he knows what players bring uh, in and out during domestic club play. So sort of uh, having that ex- her, her having that experience uh, with national team camps already, I think uh, kind of comes into play. Lori touched on this talking about, you know, experience versus versus potential. And I think a player like Casey Kruger really has both. And um, if you're only able to take four alternates at four specific positions, you're going to want a little bit of versatility, a little bit of, experience. And I think somebody like Kruger is, uh, is bringing that to the defensive position, maybe over somebody like a Mitch purse. Jumping off that, Sandra, you mentioned Mitch purse. Uh, if you take a look at the defenders that black Wondonofsky has chosen for this, um, Are there any snubs, anything that you're surprised at? I know we just talked on Kruger a little bit and what she's doing, but um, in in that back line, having versatility, having the freedom to move players from the central back position to the outside back position and even potentially slot them into the midfield if something were to happen there, how much versatility does the defenders that he's chosen to take bring to this team? Either either of you. I mean, I, I... I'm I just hear curious. Lori. Yeah, I want to hear this, Lori. Like, <laughs> uh, how much does this provide for the team overall? Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't think there there's not too many surprises, just given the um, with the tendencies we've seen from Blacko. Um, I mean, good shout from Sandra about Casey Kruger because I agree with all of that in terms of just staying ready and, and valuing what um, players do in the NWSL. I think we saw Emily Sonnet um, slide across that back line as well. So her and Casey, I think, will be the ones that have the more versatility um, with Tierna Davidson being like kind of that really true center back. Um, if they do decide to rest like a back, Becky Sauer run in that second game, just the almost what we saw in the summer series, right? Um, at, or like mimicking what they'll do come the, um, the Olympics next month. However, um, you know, some, in some cases, when you think about snubs too, Midge Purse would be one of the big ones. I think that would, everyone would highlight in terms of surprising that she's not either an alternate or even on the 18. And I wonder, and, and I don't know this for sure, but I also wonder a little bit if, you know, the versatility almost hurt Midge in the decision-making because we've seen her with Gotham FC play a ton up top. Right. But I think where you would see her most in this U S women's national team is in that right back position where yes, we've seen her with Gotham, but not a ton. Um, and there just hasn't been enough time overall um, is, you know, cause you could compare that with like a crystal Dunn who plays in multiple different positions and is the world's best player at whatever position she's playing. However, with Midge, it just hasn't been enough time at either of those places with the women's national team. And so I, I wonder if that essentially end up being um, more hurtful than helpful in the end, because as, as Sandra said, Casey can come in as an alternate and, and slot right into that right back position, even left back position, and if needed to be called upon, can play in a three back um, or or could play centrally if needed, if really push come to shove as well. So a lot of options there. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily snubs, but um, again, um, tough decision from Blacko and something that I wouldn't want to be having to make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me either. One of the toughest decisions. There's so much riding on this and missing out on 2020 and experience and, and everything that goes through that. Um, traditionally, Vlaco has played a 4-3-3 formation, um, which lends to a really holding mid six position. Um, we know that Julie Earth has been injured. So taking a look at the midfielders that he has chosen in uh 
Chrissy Mewis, Sam Mewis, Lindsay Horan, Rose Lavelle, and Julie Ertz. Sandra, how do you see the those numbers shaking out in the midfield and in the formation and essentially in the lineup? Well, you know, I think um, the midfield is, is going to have a lot of responsibility during these Olympics, and we and we might we might see some some of the most rotation happening, uh, you know, within that midfield, depending on you know the health of certain players and and where they're at. You know, Julie Ertz picking up that injury, you know, prior to this final roster being named uh, and sort of kind of having not so much of a question mark on the timeline, but I think really just a question mark about how, how iconic and how integral of a player she is at that position. And there were a lot of questions about like, how is this team going to look? Are they going to be able to cope without her, et cetera, et cetera. And it turns out they're probably going to be just fine. (laughs) They're going to lose somebody like her. It's uh, it's sickening. It's maddening how talented this team is. And we got to see somebody like Lindsay Horan sort of slot in, over the summer series and kind of put in work at that shift, um, you know, within that position. And, uh, you know, the midfield looked looked pretty good, you know, in, in, in these uh, trio of games that were really meant to sort of mimic uh, Olympic play ahead of the Tokyo games. Uh, so it looks like they're going to be OK. But in terms of a, of a timeline, everything that's been coming out of media availabilities, uh, you know, with Black Audinovsky in terms of updates uh, on, on somebody like Julie Ertz is that, again, similar to, to Tobin Heath, that the 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 prospect is that come July, she's going to be good to go. Now, what that means in terms of, of percentage, you know, I think if you have, uh, you know, a, a Julie Ertz who's even at seventy percent, you're taking her to the Olympics like full stop because <laughs> somehow soccer math, a seventy percent Julie Ertz <laughs> is going to give you a hundred percent all the time. You know, so it's just it's just one of those it's just one of those things. I think where again where it comes down to where it's like. Um, Julie Ertz has had enough experience in that position and has sort of made herself, uh, you know, be this player who is irreplaceable on this team. And that includes even in a scenario like this, if she's only, you know, X percent ready to go, that she's still going to be going uh, to the Olympics. So she's been uh, shut down for club play. So she hasn't had any club play since that opening match with the with the red stars. Um, but five midfielders, I mean, we're going to, I mean, in the group stage is going to be games every couple of days. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if every single one of these midfielders gets some type of time. Um, and it was really, really good to sort of see all the names across them because it's such a strong midfield core, whether it's an Ertz or either of the Mewis, uh, you know, sisters, congrats to Christy Mewis for getting back into this, uh, into this mix. I mean, that's really the story that we should be talking about here. A player that was sort of absent, you know, from the national team for, for six years and is making her, her first major senior national team comp global competition, you know, at, at 30, you know, come after, after being away for so long uh, from this team. And and she's, she's absolutely going to get time uh, on the pitch in some, in some capacity, I believe during this Olympic run. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. 
And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, Yes, so many congratulations are due across the board to so many of these players. Uh, You mentioned soccer math, Sandra. Yeah, Julie Ertz at (laughs) 70%. She's going to give you 100%. Even if she only plays 60 minutes, it'll be 100% at 60 minutes. And her... 70% play is better than most players, a hundred percent play. So you're taking her no matter what. And, and for the Mewis sisters, both of them on the senior roster going to a huge uh, Olympics games is huge for them, huge for uh, the soccer community and the soccer world. And I mean, sisters like this takes sisters on the team. Like your teammates are your sisters. This takes it to a whole new level. I love it. I love it. Soccer math. We're sticking with it. Ages, but a number we've learned that time and time again from this team and taking a look at the forward line. I mean, was it, was there ever a doubt that Carly Lloyd wasn't going to the Olympics, Lori? No, that's what I said. <laughs> like, I, I just laughed about the the whole conversation of like, whether or not she was going to make this roster or not. I'm like, no, the conversation like, is whether or not Carly Lloyd is going to start on this team and fight because the, and even Blacko, I was laughing. We had a, before the Nigeria game that I was calling, we had a coaching call with him and he was like, no, I think, you know, next thing I know is um, Carly's going to be turning on us as coaching staff because <laughs> he likes the underdog mentality so much that she's like, I think that she wants me to tell her that she's not on the roster just so that she's even playing better. So no, I mean, credit to her. I mean, she continues. This is not a surprise being a teammate of hers in the past. I mean, this is where she thrives. This is what she wants. And um, she continues to show up. And honestly, there's, when you look at it, um, and any of Carly will say this love or hate her style of play or what she brings. Um, I don't know of a player that shows up so consistently in the biggest moments, um, on the world stage as Carly does. And, and, and this isn't a knock. She could be terrible for the team for 89 minutes, but you know, that one, you have to keep her on the field because that one minute she will score goals. Like it there's is that soccer math again. There's it, the yeah, soccer math again. <laughs> it, it is, it is, um, it, I, I've never seen anything like it and she continues to show up and, and do it. And uh, honestly, she, she made that front line, in my opinion, so difficult for Blacko um, to, to that decision to make. And, and honestly, credit to Alex Morgan. I think she's playing some of the best soccer that we've seen really in a decade, almost since her baby horse days that we used to call her (laughs) when she was first coming on the scene. I mean, she's scoring goals like, and I think she'll be the difference maker up top really. Um, Tobin Heath, I think brings something different and they know that, um, in terms of her width play, than some of than a press or even a Megan Rapinoe. But goodness, I mean, when you think about the the strike mentality of that front line, I mean, something that the U.S. has always hung its hat on, but (laughs) I'm like, okay, here we come. So, (laughs) but um, full force in the front line for sure. I mean, across the board on this team, like we've been saying, it's, I sound like a broken record, but so much talent, so much depth. Um, Last, uh, I'm going a little bit positionally here. Last one I want to hit on the goalkeeper position. Um, This is big. The, the continuity and the communication with your back line and how you flow with them is so big, especially uh, at the Olympic level, going up against international competition. Um, Alyssa Nair and AD French, it, 
to me, great options. I, I love that. It wasn't really surprising at all that they made this. Um, but starting positions between those two, I think they each offer different things. Alyssa Nair has a lot of experience um, and a lot of experience with this inter- uh, this back line for the United States women's national team. Um, but A.D. French is... It, showing a lot. She has a lot of potential and a lot of uh, fight in her play and a lot of aggression uh, towards the ball. So Sandra, when you look at these two goalkeepers, I I don't think either of them are surprising that they made the roster, but for you, which one stands out more to probably slide into that starting goalkeeper position? I mean, it's Alyssa Nair, hands down. I mean, she's been the number one starting goalkeeper for this team for some time. Uh, she was that starting goalkeeper heading into that 29 world, uh, 2019 uh, World Cup. And uh, as Vlad Andonovsky took the reins, continued to get those uh, those those starting uh, you know positions for for him uh, over these last uh, twenty plus games or so. So it's going to be Alyssa Nair. But I think between these two goalkeepers heading to the Olympics, they're they're absolutely the perfect, uh, you know, one-two punch combination at this position to be taking uh, as as the two main goalkeepers. And with Jane Campbell as an alternate, uh, someone who has a, a lot of uh, extensive experience uh, over club play, uh, doing a lot of great things for Houston Dash, and great to have her in, in the uh, alternate position as part of that sort of goalkeeper trio uh, heading to Tokyo. Uh, but Alyssa Nair uh, has, at this point, frankly, more of the experience, you know, within these type of big lights. Uh, there was a, a lot of adversity that she had to go through during uh, that 2019 World Cup run. Uh, she had done a lot of work and put in a lot of uh, time, uh, you know, in shifts at that starting position. And somehow... Uh, as they headed to that 2019 World Cup, uh, she was still getting a lot of flack, uh, quite frankly, whether it was from, you know, fans, pundits, uh, commentary or otherwise. And um, there was all these questions about uh, how she could be under pressure. It's one of the loneliest positions to be in. Uh, the spotlight the spotlight is, is always on you. Uh, even if you are on a team like the United States Women's National Team, you know, who could put up, who can have a game where they could put up tons and tons of goals. Um, you know, when that moment comes, are you going to be ready? And uh, she showed that during that World Cup run. She came up huge with that that huge penalty save uh, during their run into the into the final there. And I think uh, that type of experience, that type of mentality, that type of, a, you know, tenacious, tenacious uh, mindset, uh, the sort of calm that she brings uh, on the ball for her back line uh, is something that you're going to want to have in net. And having somebody like Adriana French, who's definitely very, you know, she's very vocal, her ability to organize a back line, sort of keep them on their toes. I think it's a great combination to be taking into the Olympics and a player, I think, uh, you know, like French, you know, again, this is (laughs) this is an Olympics that we're probably going to see on like any other Olympics. I think Lori hit it best at the top of this segment where it's like. The rotation, just all of the limitations that something like COVID-19 is placing on things, there's potential to for all of these players to potentially get time on the pitch. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody like Lacko maybe wants to slot in Adriana French uh, in, in one of these games. It's important to have your goalkeeper be consistent throughout this tournament, but we have no idea what's going to happen in these games. There's a lot of unpredictability. So I think if you're going to be taking these two, two goalkeepers to the Olympics, these are absolutely the two that you want to be taking. 
taking a look at the summer series that we saw um, lots of rotation in the starting lineup from Vladko Andonovsky. And there's still the send-off series for the United States plays Mexico in the first week of July. Um, but do you guys have roster, roster lineups, do you think, for a 4-3-3 formation? Lori, do you have anyone that you're like, these are the 11 that'll get some starts? I think it's... it's, it's the big question marks, I think, is what we've seen in there and goal. I would go with Kelly O'Hara, Dahl Kimper, Sour Run, and Crystal across the back. Um, most likely at this point in time, without knowing the exact return date of a Julie Ertz or what her soccer percentage is, which is like my new <laughs> soccer math. It's like, oh my gosh, Sandra, I'm putting that from now on, which is fantastic. <laughs> um, but I would say it's a, a combination of like a Haran, Rose, and, and Sam Mewis. Mm-hmm. And then up top across left to right would be a Megan. And I would at this point in time put Alex. And again, probably Kristen Press up top um, would be who I would think um, would be right now the starting um, 11. And then, like I said, going in with what Ertz and where she is. But I think the going off to something that Sandra said earlier, I think it depends on where Julie Ertz, you know, you never wish any sort of injury on anybody, but that's probably the best thing that could have happened to this U.S. team to get a real clear picture of who can slot in. Because we've seen Julie Ertz, number one outside of Becky Sauer run, the number one on that team sheet day in and day out every time, um, dating back to even Jill Ellis. Um, mm-hmm. She was the one that slotted in all the time. So um, to be able to see Lindsay Haran and what that looks like, because I think again, against who's, who they're going to play in this um, in the opening rounds or group stages, um, you know, it might be better for Lindsay Haran to slot into that six and just give the U S a different look and um, you know, a different playmaking ability than Julia to bring and, and then vice versa, depending on who they're playing. So um, yeah, I mean, listen, Anybody you play, it's going to be one of the most dominant teams, right? And it's it, it really does come down to some luck, though, in this tournament. Luck and rest and recovery and that given day. So no doubt the U.S. will be the favorite. So heading in. I mean, yeah. Laura, you know more than anyone else that it's not just the physicality of the game, but the mental aspects of it, the recovery, the it, travel and being in a foreign country. Uh, there's so much that goes into it. Uh, Sandra, yeah, what were you going to say? No, I'm just, I, I echo Lori 100%. I think if the Olympics start tomorrow and uh, there's a starting lineup that has to be selected, that's 100% who's starting mm-hmm. from the goalkeeper all the way up to to the top four, center forward uh, for this team. Uh, and uh, I think if we do see some rotation, uh, this team has gone through enough at just the right time ahead of these Olympics uh, to sort of uh, prove and just to themselves, quite frankly, uh, that no matter who's in and who's out, they're absolutely a force to be reckoned with. Uh, so many numbers to choose from, so much to break down and plenty more to come with the send-off series coming up and, of course, the Olympics later in the summer. Final thoughts, Lori, anything else you want to add? I, I will say one one player that we haven't talked about, though, is Katarina Macario, and I am pumped to see her at least as an alternate because no, do I think she's been at her best? I don't think she has played enough with the team um, given some of their COVID restrictions and getting in with the mix um, throughout this year. Um, But even if, even if she hasn't been at her best, there's glimpses of what she's, what she can do for this team going forward. And just to be able to get this experience and travel with the team at the world, at this world stage, I think is, 
is huge for this young player. And I'm, I'm pumped to see what she can do going forward, whether she gets time or not. Right. So whether she's called up from the alternate spot. So um, other than that, huge congrats to everyone. Um, it's such an emotional roller coaster as a player waiting for these um, roster unveiling. So um, I feel a relief for all of them. And, um, and, and also, I will say, sorry, I'm talking so much, but I hope somebody like a a Midge purse um, or a few players that have been left off. um, We don't talk enough about it, but what that, how much of an emotional toll that is. And then to have to go and perform with your club team. And we've seen both sides of that. We've seen Crystal Dunn, who's freaking roast occasion, became the 2015 Indivisa player of the year. And then listen, one of the best world players in the world now. Um, and I hope someone like Mitch Purse, who, who's not on the alternate list either, um, can do the same or whatever's best for her, right? Because um, I think that is very important. I, I really don't think people understand, unless you're in the mix, how much of a mental toll it is and to work your entire life for this and to either get the call or not and, um, and the amount of work that people put in. So I, I hope the people that have left off can, can find a path to success um, outside the U.S. too, going forward in this season. So inspirational. Um, Sandra, final thoughts for you as we round out this conversation? Yeah, hard to follow that up. Uh, you know, Lindsay's hitting on all the correct points and, and she's speaking to this as a, as a former player, you know, having been in, in some of these toughest competitions. It's 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 not easy. And, you know, covering NWSL as closely as we do, Lisa, um, you know, we see a trend. You know, these moments where where players have to deal with some of maybe the lowest of the lows and the highest of the highs, you know, we see when players are left off some of these big rosters and some of the some of the runs that they go on in the league. So I'm hyped to see Mitch Purse, you know, playing more games for Gotham FC and NWSL. You know, I'm, I'm really, really excited for her and uh, and what's going to happen. And, and it's tough. It's tough. You know, Lori's. You know, speaking to the to the player aspect of things and, you know, I think maybe I'll just touch on, you know, some of the um, some of the representation, you know, side of things. It's a tough, tough roster to crack. And, um, you know, I, I remember one of the 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 hardest feelings I had to to maybe cope with is as even as someone who's generally just just a fan of this team, because we're all fans of this team. We 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 talk about them, we analyze them, but but we we love watching this team and seeing their success on the pitch. And it was tough to see somebody like Casey Kruger at the time get left off of that 2019 World Cup roster because she's one of the few black players on this team. And it's uh, equally as tough now to see somebody like Mitch Purse not make this roster because she's one of the few black players on this team. Mm -hmm. And uh, you want to see success, uh, you know, for players like that on this team at the highest level. You want to see success for them, you know, within the league. And, uh, you know, my hope is that uh, that's going to happen. And I believe that these uh, these players are all all talented and uh, somebody like Mitch Purse is, is going to be just just fine. We saw somebody like Crystal Dunn do what she did after she got uh, you know left off that roster in 2015. We saw somebody like Casey Kruger do what she did in 2019 after she missed out on that World Cup roster. And I absolutely cannot wait to see what uh, what Mitch does here in 2021 in the NWSL. Could not have said it better myself to each of you ladies. Thank you so much for joining us on Kegelazo today. Uh, Lori, thank you very much. Oh my goodness. I hope I get invited back. This was amazing. Um, love chatting with you too. I can do this all day. So thank you. It's been great. Sandra, thank you. Right on. This was dope. Let's uh, let's go. It's time to go to the Olympics. Ladies. Let's <laughs> cover it. Let's cover it. 
Hey everybody, I want to thank Lisa Roman, Sandra Herrera, and Lori Lindsay for joining Kegolazo today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Kegolazo Pod. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We're on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Kegolazo, and of course, CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we got plenty more to come from Kegolazo. Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.